Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. There, there are certain types of nutritional foods and supplements that I think are really important. And I like them and I take them and, you know, I'm convinced about them yeah. and other people in my life are. And that's something worth spending my time on. Yeah. Supporting people and, you know, sharing that sharing the things that I believe in with other people. And then, you know, and I think part of it too, it was my time to to really to start a company. Like I had been high, I was, I was the leader of that behavioral healthcare company in the France experience. I, I was always was given a lot of authority and a lot of opportunity to be very entrepreneurial, but I'd never like built my team from scratch. Like what's the culture gonna be? What are our values? Like, what's the mission? And not like, what's the thing we write down, but what's the thing that we live out every day? And yeah, it was just time for me to do that. And so that was in 2017. And I have been on that ride since 2017. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. What's your workout look like? I think it's similar. It's like I've gone through different phases. Yeah. Like when I was, I went through a phase when I was much younger where it was like all I wanted to do was run. Yeah. And then it was only yoga. And yeah. I think my personality tends towards that. Like yeah. this thing and then only strength training. And uh, lately, I've been like pretty into strength training the last few years and yeah. they got really into walking. Like during yeah. the whole COVID lockdown, walking I just started walking. so freaking yeah. good. It's so yeah. easy. It's so accessible. And it's so good for us. Um, I'm out in the country, so that is probably one of my 
saddest things is that it's not, you can't just like walk and grab coffee or walk uh-huh. to the grocery store. And I feel like that is a thing when you live in a city and you're, it like, you're like, well, I can't drive. It's right. You know, it's uh-huh. not that far. I need to yeah. go do this thing. You guys are in Colorado? We're in Boulder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. you grew up here. I was born and raised here. So wow. I was actually born at home in Wimberley, Texas. No way. Yeah. Okay. I, all, that's the direction I live in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not and then all, different. most of my sisters live in Dripping Springs. Oh yeah. Very cool. So you grew up here. Did you go to school here? UT? Yeah. I went to, uh, I didn't go to school at UT. Okay. I went to St. Edwards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. But yeah, I went to school here. And you told me yesterday your parents were really into health or your family or what was that? Yeah. You talked about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So my my parents, like my dad and my mom, but my dad like super was into health food and supplements and to like natural living. And he was, well, both of them were entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so in the 70s, my dad had a, like a, he imported herbs for like, <laughs> wow. yeah, for, for supplements, stuff like that. He yeah. was super early into that game and ginseng, et cetera. And then- in the 80s. I'm 39. Okay. And so um, in uh, whatever, the early 80s, they moved to Wimberley and they bought a natural health food store and they ran a natural health food store. Wow. And then they ended up um, turning into like a natural health food restaurant. So they ran that out there. I was born there in Wimberley. And then we actually moved to Austin because my dad was doing a partnership with Whole Foods. It was like early restaurant. Yeah, I wondered then. when you said yeah. that. I was like, oh, are we about to find out that his dad started Whole Foods? That he didn't start Whole Foods, <laughs> but he was a partner in like early business cool. stuff around that. Yeah. And so then I was raised like out bee caves. So west of yeah. west of Austin, but like in the hood. Yeah. But still my parents got out of that business. They stayed small business owners and entrepreneurs, but super hippie, crunchy. Yeah. Like yeah. I you know, had never taken an over-the-counter medicine, never went to a doctor. Wow. Yeah, I didn't get my birth certificate until I had to go to first grade. <laughs> so I went to first grade and like I, I went and got my birth certificate finally. I love this. Yeah. I love this. And I feel like it's something that would be so much more accepted then than it would be now. Um, uh-huh. I actually was just talking about this yesterday. I was recording a podcast by myself and I was talking about the things that we put up with but we shouldn't. And one of mine is accepting the aches and the pains and the inflammation and accepting that you feel bad and accept and not sort of taking ownership of that health journey and working to feel better. And the example I was using is how many times doctors suggest procedures for my children that mm-hmm. they don't need. And I'm blown away by that. And I grew up in the eighties. My parents were like, our family motto was there's a pill for that. They loved to treat. They loved medication. They loved all of this stuff. But now that I'm a mom, like when my daughter was four, the doctor said, oh, well, her tonsils are huge. You should have these taken out. And I was like, but she doesn't, there's no, there's nothing happening to her. She's not getting sick. And they were like, yeah, but just, you know, preventatively. I'm like, preventatively, you want me to do surgery on a four-year-old? And there's just sort of been a stack of that. So I find it so cool that you got to grow up without that. How do you feel like that affected how you sort of came into adulthood? Like, were you... Did you go the other way where you're like, this is too granola for me and now I'm going to forge my own path? Or do you feel like you still incorporate a lot of the things you grew up living? My, you know, I think of my life and I hope of my life as like an upward spiral. Like I find myself coming back to the same mm. patterns, the same themes, and rather than being like, oh my God, I'm just doing the same <laughs> thing over and over again. Hopefully I'm spiraling upwards towards yeah. like some greater version of myself. And for sure... Like being raised in that, you don't even really know. You know, it's like at the earliest age, like 
when I was really young, I didn't know other kids got to take Tylenol if they had a headache. I didn't know they were just like, drink more water. Yes. <laughs> Have some electrolytes. That, like, so, I didn't know, yes, you know yes. that, that was yeah. it. But then I went to school and I went to school with like normal kids in, in public school and it dawned on me like, wow, other people get like gushers at lunch. And I have like, <laughs> Gosh, and I have yes. like, uh, my parents were pescatarian. So I have like grilled tofu or grilled, <laughs> like grilled salmon sandwiches at lunch with like, you know, whole wheat bread. I'm like, man, I like, I was different. I was different in that context. And yet I think my parents, because they were very, they're very entrepreneurial. They're very bold kind of entrepreneurial type people. At home, I had to have my own confidence to be just in the environment with them. There was not like a ton of coddling. Yeah. It was a pretty intense environment. And um, and then at school, I was like different. And I never had a haircut till I was in fourth grade. So I had like long curls. People called me a girl. Like I just, I, I needed to find a way to just be myself in that environment and feel comfortable. So I think I felt pretty confident and just locked into the way that we did things and valued stuff. And then I got into school and it made me, yeah, I just realized like it's okay to be myself in this world. Then naturally, as you kind of progress, I think in adolescence or early adolescence, I was like, do I like this stuff at all? Or do I want to do something totally different? And I started like throwing it out and trying other things. And, you know, I want, I want to try eating fast food and, you know, drinking sodas from the soda machine at school, and yeah. like, you know, just kind of experimenting. And I think, it, you know, in my journey, I think it, I don't know that it culminated, but by the time I got to high school, I was, mm, I just had to learn all my own lessons, unfortunately. And Don't I, we all? And I pray for yeah. my children that they can like <laughs> learn some from me. But it, that I think that same kind of bold attitude, like I need to try and do everything on my own. And um, that led me into partying and that led me into drugs. And that led me into, I think, less of like a sense of like myself and more like trying to understand myself amongst all these other teenagers and uh, I, unf- you know, I got into some legal trouble, but then I, I had this really unfortunate experience where I took way too much LSD. I've, I, I somehow provoked a fight with people much more hardcore than me because mm-hmm. I'm like not, I'm not a, a fighter by spirit. <laughs> and they beat me like really, really badly. And How they, old were you? I was 16, 16 oh, and wow. a half. Wow. And they stabbed me twice in the back and they stabbed me in the knee. So, you know, I was unconscious for days. I had to have my patella tendon reattached. I had to have emergency abdominal surgery. I have a huge scar because it, I mean, they assumed I was, all my, my major organs had been affected. Luckily they weren't. My spleen was like barely nicked. And so coming out of that, I'm like 16 is a very adult. I don't know if it's an even adult experience. It's a very, what's well, a, de- it's a life and death experience. Yes. And a very, um, Maybe the way in which I'd say it's adult is it's it's a traumatic psychological experience through which you have to make a choice about what you're going to do next. Whereas like when you're a child, your parents are making all these decisions for you. Like, you know, they call me Angie, like, Angie, take this vitamin. Yes. Angie, this is what we eat. You know, and like suddenly I'm like, whoa, like this is my life. I'm go- like, I'm going to make my decisions. It's all going to play out right. the way that I uh, respond to this life, to these opportunities. Well, and you had also made decisions that put you in that place. And so you're having the, you're grappling with like, oh, there are consequences to what I'm doing. I mean, I think that's, it's like, whoa, like I didn't even, I could make decisions that would send me out of control. Yeah. Because that is what happened. I made a series of decisions and 
things were out of control and then I'm spinning and now I'm like in a hospital bed and you know, now I'm, I could have very easily died. Wow. And so what are the decisions I'm going to make going forward? And so at that point at 16, I had a very, uh, I had a renewed, fresh kind of my experience of what health was and that it looked a lot like revaluing these things like my parents had kind of taught me about, about nutrition, about exercise, about, and not for like, oh, exercise to play sports, but like, wow, I really want to be able to like feel good in my body and live this kind of vibrant physical and emotional experience. Suddenly, you know, I grew up being exposed to chiropractors and acupuncturists and stuff like that. And suddenly I was like, I want to go to the acupuncturist, yeah. you know, to like figure out all this nervous system stuff I'm experiencing. So I pretty seriously embraced trying all types of health modalities, not just following maybe like what the mainstream was, although I was in Austin. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it was yeah. like, you know, it wasn't like that weird to go yeah. to, to an acupuncturist. I mean, that also really kicked off, I think, which is maybe less of what my parents gave me, a real, mm, I think, emotional and psychological and like spiritual searching. You know, I really wanted to try to, yeah, I don't figure, not figure out the meaning of life, but like figure out, um, who I am and what I feel and and like how, and what's going on in my mind because I, I was experiencing a lot of just hard. Right. It was already if you're a teenager, it's really yeah. hard and confusing. You've got your brain changing, you've got these hormones, and if you introduce that kind of trauma, trauma. with drugs, it's yeah. like it's well, very confusing. So this is what I was curious about as you were speaking: was did you have PTSD following this event? You must have. Yeah, I mean, years, years, like a couple of years later, I remember I got a letter. So I became emancipated then when I was 17. Okay, whoa. Okay, how yeah. did, how do, how, what? <laughs> well, I think, um, so some of the context leading up to this is that m my parents started getting divorced when I was like 14. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult and it was challenging. And it's like, you know, not to overexpose them, right? Because they're right. not part of this interview. But like I said, they're pretty bold personalities. <laughs> and so it was a bold, uh, it was a, yeah, I think it was just a really challenging experience. And even if they had been a really tight unit, I was set up to be a teenager that was going to push a lot of boundaries, like a lot of boundaries. And so um, I think without that structure and suddenly I'm floating out there on my own, I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm winding up in situations like that situation and coming out of that, you know, I, I started going to therapy. I, I'm, I think I was going to therapy before then, like it was much more important at that point. And I started talking to, through things and it became clear to me that I, I, it was time for me to like create my own thing. I think part of that same impetus that I was describing earlier of like, oh, I want, this is my life. I had that, this is my life. I should, I need to get out of whatever this context is. And I think part of that too was probably a more adolescent slash childish sense of like, want my own autonomy. I'll take care of myself kind of thing. That said, I think it was healthy for me because then at my 17th, that was, it was 16 and a half when I had that traumatic experience. On my 17th birthday, which was the second semester of my junior year, I moved out. And How I, did they react to that? Well, I got my therapist to support it. And I think my therapist at that point had said I had PTSD. But the I basically had built my case. I had, I had streams of income. I mean, I was going to high school still, but um, by this time I had developed this kind of weird awareness that I could beatbox. So I have like a very unique human beatbox skill. Okay. And I started getting commercial work. So like Kinko's and 
a really interesting work start I started getting. So that was giving me money. And then I was playing drums. I was already playing drums and bands and making pretty good money. And then I was like started doing painting. So I had just had enough cash flow. Well, and you had seen this modeled, right? Like both your parents were entrepreneurial. Yeah, so like, you had just seen I never imagined working for a person. Yeah. Like I just had never seen my parents work for another person. I'd always seen like, yeah, I just, yeah. I didn't even imagine yeah. it, but yeah, so I was just like, not a hustler, but like I was doing whatever it took. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I had the money. I got my therapist on board. She said, you know, I support Angelo in trying this and I did it and it worked. Wow. You know? And so, yeah, the whole, my second semester of my junior year and then my whole senior year, I, I supported myself. And, lived you, and you lived where? I first, like, I think I, I went to like my sister's apartment for like a week and then a friend's and then I got an apartment. I basically got my, the, the woman who I was doing the painting work for, she helped me sign to get an apartment. So I got an apartment, wow. like, you know, she, whatever she co-signed with me. And uh, yeah, and so I lived off of, I, I went to school in Eanes. I went to Westlake High. And so I lived off of like Barton Skyway, like in a little funky apartment. Hey guys, I hope you are loving this conversation between me and Angelo. And if you want to try Aminos for the first time ever or just continue your health journey, Angelo and the team at Keon is offering an incredible discount just for my listeners. If you go to getkeon, that's K-I-O-N dot com slash Rachel Hollis, you can get 10% off a single order or 20% off subscriptions. The discount will be applied automatically when you check out. So go to getkeon.com slash Rachel Hollis. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm like, (laughs) on the one hand, I'm tripping out. I think that's the mom in me. But on the other hand, I graduated high school a year early Mm -hmm. and I moved from my small town to LA before I was 18. So I lived by myself. My mom had to co-sign to get me an apartment. I lived by myself because I just was capable at that point. I was like very similar to you. I'll work three jobs. I'll do whatever I need to do. I wanted to be out of my home environment, which was not great. But I never, I was never legally emancipated. I never thought about that before. But like you say, your parents were very bold, but they gave, it sounds like they gave that to you as well. You're, that's a very yeah, bold yeah. move. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of, you know, if you're really bold and then your kids really yeah. bold, it's kind of, <laughs> you, you kind of just work with what you have, right, you know? Right. And, uh, and I clearly was showing enough positive progress. Like it, it wasn't in that time period, I hadn't become like, homeless or living on the street yeah, or I had yeah. it wasn't like I was just living on people's couches it didn't yeah. to, to all they could tell it didn't seem like I was taking a lot of drugs yeah. so it didn't it probably didn't seem like oh my god we have to intervene yeah. with this it was more we'll just see what Angie yeah. does and you know yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out yeah um, I'm curious how and you can tell me if this is yeah. too deep for you but like how that attack affected you spiritually or energetically when you said literally someone stabbed you in the back mm-hmm. like just the uh, the connotation of that and the getting yourself into a situation where you realize oh these it's way worse than i thought it was going to be how did you and maybe still are like unpack that or manage that or find meaning in it or how did that affect you spiritually so i think the best answer is like i still am yeah unpacking it yeah. you know it's the kind of thing where you're still, I'm still unpacking things from my childhood too. Or, yeah, just trying to understand <laughs> it and sort it together, and you know, um, and having children now is a great gift to like rework through that stuff. Yep. I think so. Pr- you know, practically speaking, I pursued uh, paths. You know, like I pursued a meditation path very seriously for many years. And did. how do you feel like that helped you? I think of meditation and I think of the type of psychotherapy. I've done done a lot of psychoanalysis and journaling is all being pretty related and related in that if you slow down and you just breathe and then watch what spontaneously comes up, a lot just happens. Yeah. And if what spontaneously comes up, I think in a sitting meditation or now, you know, I said I walk, but really it's like a walking. I mean, I walk a lot and I just walk and I just kind of, it's interesting too. Walking is a, it's where EMDR came from, the trauma therapy. Yeah. They, they'd observe that through the right, left alternating movements that these things were being resolved in the brain. And so walking for me is, is kind of a form of, of meditation. But yeah, I think that through sitting meditation, by slowing down and by breathing, and then the thoughts come up, the feelings come up. And in longer, I mean, I've been in 10 day 
all day, silent retreats, no, no talking, no eye contact, no reading, no writing, only meditation. I mean, in that kind of context, a lot, a lot of physical sensations come up that you didn't even know were in there. And, you know, I think in a, in a meditative context, you're just, it's like coming up and you're just releasing, you're just letting it be versus in normal life, things come up and you like, I latch onto it, you know, like I latch onto it to turn it into something else, you know, <laughs> or yeah. I latch onto an idea because I think it's important and I really want to develop it or an idea comes up and I don't, a feeling comes up and I don't like it and I want to like, I reject it. But when I reject it, I kind of latch onto it yeah. and I develop oh, yeah. some coping thing. <laughs> and in, in, I think in meditation, you really just let it be, you know, it's like this very, it's like a loving acceptance of what is. It's kind of like an idealized parenting. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's with your child, you're just, if you can just, be there. Yeah. No, I, I asked that question because I feel like it's one of those things that so many people have heard listening to this podcast, listening to other things, watching YouTube. Everybody talks about meditation now. But I love different perspectives on why it's helpful to the individual person because I feel like meditation is one of those things that like people feel like they should do, but they're not really sure why or mm -hmm. they don't know how to start or they don't know. So just I love arming the audience with more and more stories of how this is helpful. The The idea that you have something come up and just release it is huge because I can get, I don't know if you're this way, but I am very in my head. And so, I'll, you know, like something will come out and be like, okay, all right, let's work through this. What is this? Why is this here? What are we going to do about it? And one of the most helpful practices for me is just to let it be whatever it is. Like, yep, that's a, that, you know, the practice of meditation is separating myself from the thought, uh, at least for me. And it is helpful to be like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Or, oh, I see how that anxiety is showing up, but to not judge it to not try and control it or fix it or numb it away, but like you said, to just like release it. Which I, I, in my experience invites or creates the opportunity for a fuller experience of life. Yeah. In life, we're always going to be taking actions. We're going to be, I'm going to walk to, you know, I'm going to walk here and we're going to do this interview and we're going to talk and I'm, I'm doing things. It's not like I'm going to be in this passive state of just being in meditation. Yet in this chair right now, can I just, enjoy being here? Can yeah. I just see like spontaneously what comes up in this yeah. conversation? Can it just be as great as it can be? Or am I like, oh, is Rachel going to ask me a question I don't like? Or is this going to, people yes. going to like me? Or, you know, it's, and all those thoughts, they don't do any, they don't make my life any better, yes. you know? And so I think that it's an extreme, it's a kind of an extreme behavior to sit and do nothing. Yeah. And in that you develop a skill to then when you are doing things, you can enjoy them more. Yeah. Well, I, and I want to acknowledge that because having done so many interviews, you know, Jack and I will, like someone will leave and we'll be like, oh, bummer. Cause you can tell when someone can't get out of their head. You can tell when they're trying to anticipate the next question you're going to ask. You can tell when they are, they're not even really listening to your question. They're just coming back to like the same bullet points over and over and over. <laughs> which comes from fear. I totally get it. And earlier on in my career, I would have been the same way. But it's worth saying, because so many people listening to this aspire to be an entrepreneur, want to have their own podcast, want to write a book, want to be in a place where they're sitting and talking with someone interesting. 
But the piece that makes it the best is your willingness to just be present in the moment and to not overthink what's happening. So that's, again, another way that a meditative practice can really help you in real life. It also requires a fair amount of trust in yourself and confidence that you can sit there and be okay. Um, I've lost potential guests on the show before because their publicist will say, okay, can you send over questions? Will you write out the questions so they can practice answering your questions? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's just a conversation. I promise you, if you'll just be in conversation, we'll go everywhere you want to go. But if you rehearse answers, this is not, it, it's not the right, it doesn't feel right. And it's just a really interesting thing in a world that wants to be polished and have it all together to sit here vulnerably and tell your stories, to show up as yourself, to be real. Um, it's just a really cool piece, I think, to take away from this conversation for anyone listening is like, that actually takes the most confidence to just show up and be like, here it is, here's the story. But this is life. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Good. Thanks. Well done. It's like Thanks. our favorite. It's the worst when someone is just like, <laughs> As I mentioned before, we're like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, we're all super busy. We have so many things filling up our plate each and every day. And I like to imagine what it would be like if I had an extra hour. Like, what would I do? I like to think that I would be my absolute best self and I would meditate and make sure I'm journaling more. I would do my morning pages. I would really take advantage of that time. But in order to know what to do with your time, you have to understand what your priorities are. And therapy can be a really fantastic way to figure that out. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Rach to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash reach. It's spring, guys, or it's very close to spring, which means it's very close to the time of the year where I start planting my garden for summer. And this year, I was really excited to add a lemon tree not from a seed, but like an actual tree. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners of my show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code RACH at checkout. 
guys, get a lemon tree like me. We can be twins. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code RACH at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com code RACH. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So tell me then, how did you get from emancipated, you're working on your stuff, you're working on your health, you're doing the jobs, you're staying alive to the man you are today? It's an interesting question because there's, you know, I made, like I said earlier, the upward spiral, like there's multiple loops I made around that spiral. So, you know, which are the most important threads? The next phase of my life was going to college and in going to college, I think, you know, before that school had always been something that was before high school was pretty easy for me. I could just, I could be, I kind of game the system. And, um, and then in high school, it actually got pretty challenging. And then I was doing all these social things and college was like this reawakening for me again of like my life. This is information for me. So I wasn't in the typical kind of party phase that I think many high schoolers go to college in. I was like, I'm going to get the most out of this as I possibly can. And I was interested in, you know, like deeper deeper thinking, deeper meaning. So I took like, I took so many classes. I mean, I think I took 21 hours every single semester, but it wow. was, I ended up majoring in religious studies and I got a minor in philosophy. I got a minor in music. I would have had a minor in dance if they had, they didn't have an official dance minor, but I took so much dance. Um, I was take, I just like took everything I could take. And, but all of it was, I think my own kind of personal development project college experience, you know, learning about the spiritual paths and the history and the philosophy, et cetera. And through that, I got exposed to languages because if you really want to, you know, if you really want to understand the Quran, if you really want to understand the New Testament, if you really want to understand, um, you know, the Upanishads, like you, you have to study the, the original languages. So I studied classical Greek, I studied Arabic, and I started realizing whoa, like I actually can learn languages. And I had never learned languages before because I, because they take time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was more into like things that were just like I was good at and that was fun and quick. And that really turned me on to languages. So I learned um, and service. So I started doing a lot of service work. I went to Central America for a while. I learned Spanish. I became pretty good at Spanish pretty quickly through just working really hard at it. Um, and I was like, I want to learn French because a lot of kind of the contemporary literature that was working on religion and history and philosophy was all written in French. So I learned French. And then through that, it kind of turned into like, well, I want to move to France. So when I graduated from, uh, from college, I moved to France. And right before then, I met this woman, Carrie, who's now my wife. And, uh, and I was like, hey, do you want to move to France with me? And she said, yes. So we moved to France. Um, I lived there for a few years. Uh, I got a unique opportunity after the first year to basically create a, a university campus over there with St. Edwards. And so I got to like co-found this, this campus. And cool. I ended up being valedictorian of my university. I ended up doing very well in college. Like cool. I was kind of all-star, like nice, friendly, doing all the right things, getting grants. So um, yeah, so they offered me that opportunity. I did that for a couple of years. It was in partnership with Apple, actually, because it was like an Apple campus. So then I got tight with the Apple education leadership in Europe. I was this young American kid that spoke fluent French by that time. And they liked me. And I guess uh, I left out a piece of the story. But I had been to India now. In, in college, I was very into yoga. 
and I was very into, you know, studying yogic philosophy. And so I went to India the summer of when I was 21. And I spent a month at an orphanage in the South, kind of doing programs there for the kids. Then I went to the North for a month and I studied advanced yoga at this ashram. Um, actually, when I was in there, this is also very, so I feel like I'm going back and forth through my story, but this really did, I think, change me. I was involved in a really uh, traumatic bus accident. My bus and another bus collided in the foothills of the Himalayas. A lot of people died in the other bus. It was off a cliff. There was really no help. So, I mean, I was I was one of the very few people that was able-bodied enough to climb down the cliff and try to help people all day. Wow. How and old were you? I was 21. Okay. So this is five years after the previous experience. Wow. You know, so I spent the whole day doing that, and um, I think 26 people died. And, um, yeah, just, you know, basically literally carrying people up a cliffside for hundreds of meters. Um, and... You know, I get back to the, I have to hitchhike basically back to my hotel, to my ashram. And I get back there and um, I lay down in my bed and I just start shaking violently. And years later, I learned that's the actual natural trauma response. Mm. Um, and so that's maybe an example too of like, it's weird how you don't know the things that you learned before in the spiral, like help you. And clearly whatever trauma I had been through when I was 16 the therapy I'd done, the acupuncture, everything had taught me, the yoga had taught me something about being more in tune with my body. So when I had this experience, I actually had a more, I didn't try to hold it in or contain it. I let it out through the shaking. And I think I probably had a better longer term integration of that trauma um, because I intuitively did something better in the moment, you know, yeah. versus having this kind of weird reaction around it. Sorry, that tangent to India was it, it basically it really it it uh, it marked me pretty deeply, and I wanted to come back to India. So the next year or two years later, I developed a program with St. Ed's where we ran summer camps. So we basically had a group of of uh, students that would come from St. Ed's and run a summer camp for the orphans at the orphanage. So I came back again to India to run that program, um, and so I had a connection with India. And Apple Europe, so now I'm jumping back to my time in France. Apple Europe ran Apple India. They offered me a job there. So then we moved to India. I lived in Bangalore for a while. All this time, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm pretty, uh, I'm a lot more self-absorbed then than I am now. <laughs> and a lot more about like me and like my vision and my path and stuff. I have this awesome woman with me, but I'm kind of like, you know. Sure, you can do this with, we can do this thing side by side, yes, you know? Yes, and, uh And she naturally like wants more connection and family and to like have babies and do stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, you know, like one day or whatever. And it's interesting in India, I, uh, I've been on these, I've been on so many retreats before, but I went on one retreat there, this Vipassana retreat that's like a 10 day silent. And it's one of those experiences, maybe this is another example of what's, what can you get out of sitting meditation? And this is an extreme. So for people that are like, just, you don't need to do this for people that are just getting, even entertaining the idea of meditating. It's one of those 10 day retreats. It's 10 hours a day of meditation. There's no talking, there's no reading, there's no writing. So the ability to hold on to a thought is very hard. Your thoughts come up and then just like, burn away. And then it's some other thought and it's some other thought. So all my fantasies about I'm going to be an international businessman or I'm going to blah, 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 do this or this or that. And like comparing all these things somehow in the course of those 10 days, they really burned away. And what became very apparent was that Carrie was the thing that I cared most about in my life. Mm. 
And so uh, I just remember I got out of that retreat and I called her and I was like, because I knew she was like, just wait, you know, it's like, when are we going to get, I don't want to have babies in India. I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah. And so I called her and was like, let's, let's move. And she had wanted to move to Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so I quit my job the next day and I moved to Boulder the two days after that without a plan at all, zero plan. And then once I got to Boulder, basically, you know, honestly, though, like with that focus of like, you know, Carrie and I are going to get married now. We'd been engaged. We're going to get married now. Let's start having a family now. Everything just kind of fell into place. Mm-hmm. You know, I started I started a couple different companies. I was trying to work on um, some with partners from Sweden, from guys I'd met in India, uh, a bunch of different stuff. I ended up actually getting into this company that did behavioral health care. It actually worked with troubled young adults. Mm-hmm. People, I think I couldn't have fit better into that category when I was 16, you know? So it was like my my adolescent people. Yeah, I ran that company for a few years. It was an awesome experience. It was a, it was kind of the most mm, idealized, holistic, supportive thing for troubled youth from their nutrition to their fitness to life coaching to therapy to everything. It was a really awesome experience. And it naturally came to an end, like I was ready for something new. And I think this is the moment where people think like, oh, did you like identify this target market for a business that you really wanted to crack? You know, which I think people who want to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think I realized it until like a year later. I was like, oh my God, I literally created the company that like my three, three-year-old, when I was three, like little three-year-old Angie's mom would have wanted him to create. Mm. And I remember when I was three years old, really it's one of the first things I remember my mom giving me was amino acids because she was a master swimmer and we were pescatarian. So we talked and thought a lot about protein, nutrition and, and amino acids. And I remember her giving them to me like, aren't they great? Like, can't you feel them? And I was like, yeah, you know, like sure. just looking at my mom, like loving yeah. this thing. And so when it came to like, you know, wanting to basically leave this other company, start something new, what were the possibilities? What were the opportunities? I think there's something in which you just come back to your roots. Like it doesn't have to be some crazy innovative thing or something totally different than anyone's done before. It was something I cared about. Like I really care about nutrition. Mm. There, there are certain types of nutritional foods and supplements that I think are really important and I like them and I take them and, you know, I'm convinced about them yeah. and other people in my life are. And that's something worth spending my time on yeah supporting people and you know sharing that sharing the things that I believe in with other people and then you know and I think part of it too it was my time to to really to start a company like I had been high I was I was the leader of that behavioral healthcare company in the France experience I, I was always was given a lot of authority and a lot of opportunity to be very entrepreneurial but I'd never like built my team from scratch like what's the culture going to be what are our values? Like, what's the mission? And not like, what's the thing we write down, but what's the thing that we live out every day? And yeah, it was just time for me to do that. And so that was in 2017. And I have been on that ride since 2017. Oh gosh, like so many places I want to go with this. But I'll start with this because I think before we talk about the business, it's Mm -hmm. helpful to talk about what the business does and why it does Mm -hmm. all of these things. So when I heard about you, I was like, oh, yeah, because, and this doesn't always happen, so it's sort of magical when it does, 
I take the aminos. And I had for a very long time because of my boyfriend. So he was like so pumped that I was going to sit with you today. (laughs) And it was a while ago. It was when I was doing more. I wasn't necessarily fasting, but I was just waiting a little bit later before I would break my fast in the morning. But I like to run. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I need something that can give me a bit of energy. Can I just needed a little something. He was like, oh, have you ever tried amino acid? Like try these and see if you feel better. And I did. And I had energy. And it was like sustained. It was all the things. So tell listeners, Mm -hmm. explain what they are, why they work at the most basic level, if that is. What amino acids are and what they are, how they work at the most basic level. Yeah. At the most fundamental level, amino acids are the little building blocks that make up all the proteins in your body. And you need to eat amino acids or consume them through food or through some type of supplement to ensure that you can have really healthy proteins in your body. Most fundamental level. So I think another angle of looking at this is thinking about it as macronutrients. I assume most people in your audience are familiar with carbs, fat, and proteins. Those are the three main macronutrients. The the primary role of carbohydrates and of fat are energy. Energy that it's like fuel, like you put into your car. Um, So you actually consume the carbs and then you convert them into this thing called ATP, not to get too sciencey. And then that's how you like move through that energy. The primary role of proteins is not the same. Proteins can be used for that same purpose, but their their main role is to help you rebuild the proteins inside your body. So why is that? Well, the, the way that our bodies work is that you're, you're most people are familiar, like over 50% of your body is water. Mm-hmm. Well, of the solid mass, the stuff that's not water, over 50% of that is proteins. So your liver, your kidneys, your heart, your skin, your muscles, obviously, all these things are made up of proteins. And the, the building blocks of those proteins in your body are amino acids. Each protein is made up of these 20 amino acids. And the way that proteins work is that they're in this constant state of breaking down and then resynthesizing to basically like the simplest terms, like refresh the proteins, Got right? It. And when they break down and they resynthesize, they break down into these 20 amino acids, but you can't reuse it all. As you can imagine, like 70% of it is still good, right? That 30% you pee out. Mm -hmm. So the primary role of eating protein in your diet through any source, whether it's plant or animal, is you digest that protein, you break it down into the individual amino acids, it goes into your blood, and then it supports you in rebuilding all these proteins in your body. It helps you rebuild your organs, your muscle, et cetera. So if if you stop eating protein or amino acids, your body basically can't survive, not just not because it doesn't have the energy, like it can't rebuild itself. It's the, it's the raw materials to actually build all these key parts of your body. So then maybe the big question is, well, why like free, you know, why an amino acid supplement? Why does it work? Why does it, you know, work in that way? When you eat a whole food protein, and I, I'm supportive of all diets. I mean, not, not all, not like all, not <laughs> candy, not like candy <laughs> diets, but I, uh, I think, um, you could be vegan, you could be vegetarian, you could be animal-based in terms of nutrition specifically outside of anything else. Like I think they can all be healthy if taken, if, if taken and thought about appropriately. When you digest um, a whole food protein, in terms of like it actually being useful for the amino acids in it, like eggs are kind of the best 
Uh, whey protein is, is also right up there as like the highest. And then it is things like chicken, et cetera. But plant proteins can be great as well. In terms of how much of the protein has the essential amino acids. So these are the amino acids that actually create all the, most of the benefits in the body. They're the ones that create the new protein synthesis. They're the things that make you resynthesize the new proteins. A lot of the non-essential ones, you end up peeing out or they get converted into sugars. When you eat these, you break them down in your stomach, like you eat this protein source, you break it down and then it gets broken down to the amino acids. You get some essential, some non-essential, and you get other things. And if it's, you know, if there's grains, right, you're getting sugars, carbs, et cetera, you're getting all these other things. And you can really only use the essential amino acids to stimulate the protein synthesis and to fuel all these things in your body. So if you take a supplement like you are before you run, like you're, you're choosing not to eat. You could mm -hmm. just eat. Yeah. Right? You could yeah. choose to like eat some type of really healthy protein right. or something. But by taking those essential amino acids, it's the most bioavailable immediately, like it's immediately available to your body. And it's in the ideal proportions of the essential amino acids to each other. It's like the most, it's not a protein, but it's the ideal content of amino acids that would be in an ideal protein. So your body just loves it. Mm. Your body loves it. And the way that it loves it is it, it basically, it fuels you to have energy. It fuels you to, um, to synthesize new proteins. And we can go into more like how it does that, why it does that, but I'll just like pause there. Like, yeah. is that, was that that's, a good, no, that was that a good like fantastic. laying the foundation? Yeah, that's okay. fantastic. I'm curious how, like I told you how I am taking mm -hmm. the aminos. Do you take them every day? Do you take them before workouts? Like what's your protocol to make sure you're getting the most out of that practice? So I do take them every day. Uh, I think, Wouldn't it be funny if you were like once a month? Maybe. Yeah, like once a month. <laughs> or like I haven't tried them yet. Uh, yeah. So I I I start I start from a concept of like protein nutrition, and at the at the fundamental level of the protein nutrition, it's really like the essential amino acids in the protein. So I want to get about a gram of protein per pound of body weight per day. Right. I just heard this. Yeah. I just heard this the other day and I was like, oh, I don't know if I, I need to pay more attention to how yeah. much protein I'm taking in. I think if you were to track it, you'd be like, well, that seems like a lot. Um, that's what most people's experience is. You know, if you're at 0 0.7, 0 0.8, that's, that's good too. I think one is good. I, I use the essential aminos fundamentally to help me get to that high, to, to that higher end. Yeah. And I use it in and around exercise because it's very supportive in and around exercise. Um, so the RDA is point, which is like the recommended daily allowance, but I would really call that your recommended minimum. That's like to like maintain organ function, right? So that would be 0.4 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So you know, if not that, in, not that most people weigh hundred pounds, but it's easy to use a hundred pound yeah. notion. If you weigh hundred pounds, you would eat 40 grams of protein a day. Whereas I'm saying, ideally, you would eat more on the 100-gram side. And and I want to say, too, uh, this was a thing that I had to learn probably about five years ago. I worked with a nutritionist who put me on a plan. I was having a ton of brain fog. I was having just dips in energy, and I couldn't figure it out. And I had for a long time historically used caffeine to kind of bridge that gap. And then my sleep was off. It was just like a, a whole thing. And when he gave me the meal plan, I was like, there's no way I can't eat this much food. Like this is too much because it was three meals a day and then two snacks and it was a ton of protein, which is what I'm getting to. And he was like, just do it, do it for a few weeks, like commit to this and see how you feel. 
And it was wild to me how much better I felt, how much clarity I had, my ability to focus. And it's it's just worth saying that because I feel like we get confused about why our body's sort of struggling the way that it is. And we try and band-aid the symptom we're having instead of figuring out what's really going on. So if someone's hearing this and they haven't ever considered that it's possible they're not, they're actually not eating enough. Because when he gave me the the thing, I was like, this is so vain. But at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain a bunch of weight if I eat. And it's just not true. In fact, I leaned out in a way I never had before because it was like my body was getting the fuel it actually needed for what that's worth. Two really important points I would respond to that around are one is one of the major ways that you can impact your brain health and your overall, um, actually I'll, I'll shift from brain health to say emotions is through amino acids, through protein. Because when we say proteins, I think most people think of like these really hard substances. They're thinking of like your muscle. Your neurotransmitters are amino acids or the derivatives of amino acids. So literally, you're, you're literally the, the, like the chemicals in your brain that are creating your emotions come from amino acids and thus come from proteins. And so there's all this protein. Like if you are not getting enough protein, it is very likely that it will impact your emotional health mm -hmm. because you are depriving yourself of these key nutrients that actually conduct all it's uh, conducts all the neurochemical activity it's so important because so many people who are listening to the show have an extra layer of emotional ups and downs because they've got hormones in play mm -hmm. and i think for anybody who has those hormones going on you're already up against something and especially you know i'm 40 as you get closer to being perimenopausal like that's even going to be a bigger factor so you want to set yourself up for success in every other way that you can and i love that you said that because i think it kind of goes back to that earlier conversation about a society that just sort of accepts well this is just the way it is it's just the way i feel this is just it's not true and it is possible to balance your hormones. It is possible to give yourself every advantage so you feel better mentally, emotionally, physically. But I think it just takes a, a fair amount of research. You have to sort of ask bigger questions and ask why. So I love that you said that because I haven't really ever thought of the correlation between those two things. A very high correlation. Good to know. Yeah, between amino acid nutrition. I'm about nutrition. to start mainlining yeah. these aminos. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's, it's not like you have to take, you know, that you just need to take enough, yeah. you know, to where whatever works for your body. I think one other point I want to uh, relate to is that idea around like you actually leaning out when you ate more. Yes. And connected to something that you just said too, which is you have to research more or know more. I think you just have to be comfortable with the, with the fact, I think this is a fact, that more than one thing can be true at the same time. And there's some nuance and finding out what's right for you and what makes you feel good and like how to live a good life may involve like a couple things or three things, four or five, six things true at the same time versus like, oh, I'm just going to do this one thing and then everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think specifically with something like that issue of leaning out, all calories are a real thing. The amount of calories that you consume and the amount of calories that you burn daily will impact the weight that you have on the scale. That said, there's more when you talk about your body composition which is, do you have more or less fat? Do you have more or less muscle, et cetera? When you consume protein, 
or free-form essential amino acids, there's something called diet-induced thermogenesis, which is a big fancy word, but it's not that it's not that fancy. Diet-induced, it comes from the diet. Thermogenesis is like the heat. And so when you consume protein or amino acids, because you're rebuilding the proteins in your body, it tells your body to like, hey, let's rebuild these proteins. And you have to break down the proteins. You burn more calories. You actually burn more calories through consuming these than you do when you eat carbs or fat. Yeah. So, so naturally, you actually have a higher metabolism. On top of that, when you have lean muscle, and it's this is like not new science. This is like from the 70s yeah. or something. Right. But like if you have lean muscle, this is not like being jacked or strong, but just like yoga muscle, yeah. you know, um, you, you burn more calories just at rest because the calories required to rebuild that muscle tissue, to rebuild the proteins requires calories. So if you're eating a little bit more food, but it's protein or you're, you know, you're cutting out some other type of, I don't know, like a sweet and instead yeah. eating a little bit more protein, you're probably gonna be more satiated. And those, those calories are actually going to now be used to build things that increase your furnace, yeah. basically. Yeah. And thus, it's not, it's not a simple calorie in, calorie out thing. There's actually, there's more than, there's two truths there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also makes me think of the more you sort of figure out these little tweaks and these little, mm -hmm. it's like dialing it in or figuring out the equation, I feel like the more awareness I have of my body and how it's functioning, the more... Like, it just feels like harder work. I was talking to my boyfriend about this last night. Of 10 years ago, my health was atrocious. And I realized in retrospect that it felt way easier back then because I numbed every symptom I had. Mm -hmm. I ate my feelings. I drank my feelings. I you know, oh, if the aches or pains or inflammation or whatever, I'll take some ibuprofen, I'll do this stuff. Nobody ever told me, hey, as you get healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, it's like you're clearing the air, but in this new space, you're a lot more stuff's going to come up. It's like, you know, day seven of the silent meditation <laughs> retreat or whatever. You're like, oh, that's in there. I guess I just wanted to say that from a perspective of like, go slow. You mm -hmm. don't have to figure everything out right now. You don't, but the idea of adding one thing mm -hmm. to your life or one thing to your nutrition plan or one thing to your exercise routine and just seeing how that one thing affects you is, is like a really easy way to start to make change and to start to feel better. It's like when we feel better in one area, we're like, well, dang, now I want to see about this. And now I want to stack this. And now I want to build this sort of health pyramid in a better way, but just beginning with trying one thing. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I'm interested. I haven't thought of this before. I maybe have never even heard this word before. Mm -hmm. How would they start implementing aminos into their diet in an easy way? This is answer, answering your question specifically around nutrition yeah. and aminos. Yeah. Uh, I think the easiest way to think about it is the, if, if you were to take key on aminos, for example, or an essential amino acid supplement, you really would just start by taking one scoop a day. And by taking that one scoop a day, what you will find is that you are going to support the development and the maintenance of your lean muscle. You're likely going to have improved mood. You're going to have kind of this more sustainable energy, et cetera. And it's really that, that simple, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like, um, 
<laughs> that would be it. Yeah. Like you start with like one scoop and see how it makes you feel. If there's more things I'd want to share or talk about that would help it feel more like natural and helpful versus like just take this thing and it's going to yeah. solve your problems is that yeah basically that as you age that you you have a harder time digesting the protein and getting the benefit out of it cuz i've taken the aminos in fits and for i don't take it every day uh-huh. so my it's genuinely my like should i be taking this every day and uh-huh. before a workout is it 5 days a week is uh-huh. it for me everything's about energy like yeah. all I care about is do I have the energy to keep up with my life? Do I have the energy and the mental capacity to focus, do this work, do it well, then get to 5 p.m. with the kids and not be totally exhausted? Um, and I love experimenting. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, tell me. I'm an A-plus student. Like yeah. tell me, teacher, what to do. And yeah. then I, Rachel, just want to try it and let you know how it goes. <laughs> okay, cool. Got it. So from a nutritional perspective, as it relates to protein and amino acids, what I would encourage you to try or someone to try is to look at and to track a little bit like how much protein am I eating, how much amino acids are in these things, and to try to, to, try to get up to that one, one gram per pound of, of body weight. If that feels like it's too hard, that is really where as a daily supplement, something like essential amino acids can be really helpful, especially as you're aging. Because basically gram for gram, a scoop or one serving, if you're taking capsules of like Keon aminos, is worth twice as much the essential amino acid content as protein. So I I count it basically, if I'm past my RDA, I count it as twice the amount of protein as normal protein to hit those higher goals. Got it. That said, as you age, after the age of 40, your ability to digest protein and convert it into the amino acids, and then your sensitivity to then stimulate the protein, new synthesis in your body goes down. And now something like essential amino acids has three times the impact of protein. It's not because like the essential amino acids are becoming better, it's because your, your body's ability to utilize the protein becomes worse as you age. At age 50, it comes more. By the time you're elderly, it can be five, six, seven times. And that is with a high quality vegetarian, like so like a like an egg white or a meat-based protein. If it's a plant-based protein, it's even less. Mm-hmm. So it's even more impactful. And that's an awesome thing about something like Keon Aminos is that it's it's vegan. So it's supportive of all diets. And it just can really help you hit those higher levels of daily essential amino acid intake. And I think by just adding a scoop in the morning before you go for a walk, before you go for a run, um, you will you will have that much more of the key nutrients that you need to feel good and, and, and do well in life. If you're big into exercising, it has amazing benefits around exercise. It gives you way more endurance. It gets you more results actually. So it, it increases the amount of protein synthesis while you're exercising. So it means you, it basically enhances the amount of muscular endurance that you develop or muscular strength that you can develop while you're exercising. It supports recovery. So you don't get as sore afterwards. You can take it before, during, or after exercise. And it's awesome. And the thing is with something like Keanu Minos, there's no real upper limit. I mean, I you should be eating real food, right? <laughs> you should be eating real food. But I'm just saying, like, as someone who, you know, is founder of the company and I have as much as I want of it, like, I, I take it a lot. Like, I, I, I do Muay Thai kickboxing. I take a lot before I do kickboxing. I take it during and I take it after. And, like, 
I can, I get so much out of it and I don't feel tired and I can train again the next day. I take it if I'm ever going to be fasting mm, because yeah. basically anytime yeah. that you go more than three hours without eating protein or amino acids, which is fine. It's not like this is something you need to worry about, but you, you start to break down existing muscle tissue to support the amino acid needs of all your organs. Your muscles are not just the thing that's like the strength for your body to move and do stuff. It's actually the reservoir of amino acids for all your other organs. So when you don't eat, that's why when people get really sick or they have some kind of chronic disease, they lose all their muscle mass. It's because they're basically, you, they're breaking down their muscles to supply their organs with, with amino acids. I think that's why you also see a lot of people who live for intermittent fasting and doing the thing uh -huh. and you start to see the muscle tissue break down if you look over time, if you're not approaching it in the right way, or if you're fasting too much, frankly, you'll see they start to look gaunt. And you can just tell a difference because your body's, it's pulling from the muscle tissue as opposed to burning fat because there's nothing there for it to, to pull from. So, And kind of regardless of whether it's not just pulling from the muscle tissue to burn it as calories, your, your organs and all the other parts of your body need new amino acids to rebuild themselves. So it's not just from like the caloric deprivation, it's that, and that's the point I was trying to make earlier on. It, like protein is not just about calories. It's about the amino acids inside of them that are used to rebuild your skin, your heart, your liver. And as you can imagine, like your heart and your liver and your like your heart and your liver especially, like they can't just sacrifice not being rebuilt. Like if you don't rebuild the proteins in your heart, you die, yeah. and, but your muscle can be. So that's why you break down your muscle tissue to supply amino acids to your blood to then be used to rebuild these proteins in other places in your body. So even if you think you're burning fat, you're also burning muscle to just supply amino acids to the other part of your body. So all that to say, I take them if I take them first thing in the morning because I like to take them and have coffee and like not eat right away, mm -hmm. you know, and then but I eat at least three meals a day. But I do more like amino acids instead of like snacks. Be because it's the kind of thing where it's like, I'm not really that hungry yeah. and I'm trying to hit these, you know, I'm trying to hit these, these numbers for essential amino acids daily that, that help me feel great. And it's like, there are snacks that are super high protein like that, but it, it, sometimes it just feels easier and I use it in and around exercise. Going back to the beginning though, the simplest way to start is just having one serving a day you know, at a time when maybe you were going to have a snack or first thing in the morning, um, if you don't eat breakfast right away or before exercise, like just add it into something that's a routine for you. And I like the way that you described what I heard you, what I thought of was anchoring when you're trying to develop new behaviors. One of the main things I've learned is don't try to do everything all at once. Amen. Do one thing, yes. take one thing I believe in and one thing I think I want to try and anchor it to something else. Yes. Good. So it's like if the first thing you do, you wake up in the morning and you're pretty good at drinking water add the right. add, add essential amino acids to that habit if every morning you wake up and you stretch like add it to that habit uh just you know add it to some other positive habit that you have and then you can start to stack them Absolutely. and get more and more momentum where did the name for the company come from it comes from the idea of ki which is japanese for like spirit life force energy and so it's really, uh, you know, our tagline is energy for life. And the big idea is, I think so often in any kind of product company, you know, like in supplement companies, it's like, you're going to take this thing and it's going to like help you get to this specific goal. It's very performance oriented. Yes. 
we really want the company and the culture and the thing that we're doing on earth to be rooted in people having meaningful lives. And so how can it, how can it be this product that, that is a nutritional supplement that provides a specific, you know, functional benefit, be something that like when you're taking it and you're doing it and you're particip participating in it, you're realizing like, this is for me to have energy for my life. This is for me to like live a great life. It's not to, so I can look just so I, only so I can look stronger right. or so I can like lose weight or so I can, you know, it's about really having energy for life. Yeah. And you said earlier that you felt like you had built a company that your mom would have <laughs> wanted you to build when you were little. What does that culture look like? So when I said that, I think it was most related to like the amino oh, okay. acids. Okay. Um, but I do think my mom would love, would love, you know, this culture. Uh, I think, you know, one thing that I have learned in my life is my definition of integrity is not necessarily based on something absolute. It's based on people's words and their actions aligning. And there are people that I have respect for that do not share the same values as me. But if they have integrity, then I have respect for them. Because they say who they are and then they do that thing. That's real, man. That is so real. And and it just it, it's it's allowed me to be much more open to many more types of people, to different types of beliefs, to navigate the world in a way in which I'm not judging people all the time, you know? And it's it's kind of just really about I want to interact with and participate with people that have integrity. Now, if our values align, it like in terms of what we want to do, what we talk about, what we say, it makes it even better. But like the number one thing is that kind of in integrity. And so I think that's at the heart of it. It's like, what's the life I want to live every day? What's the life I want all these people I work with to be every day? These are going to be people I spend more time with than I spend with my own family. So like, I don't want to have some broken experience where it's like, it's like weird. It's like, it doesn't make sense. We're yeah. saying this, but we're doing that, you know? And so kind of fundamentally, it's like, I'm going to be with these people all the time. So I want it to be really fun. I'm going to be with these people all the time. So they're really going to impact me and like my psychology. I don't hope this doesn't come across too selfish, but it's like trying to be like real no, about yeah, the no, life I want to live. And, absolutely. And then There's, hopefully everyone else that works as part of this company has those same values. Yes. Yeah. I think this applies to entrepreneurs who are trying to build teams, to mm. leaders who are trying to build teams, and just to individuals when we think about being intentional with who is in our circle. We can't control our family of origin. We can't control a, a lot of things. You might not be able to control who your in-laws are, but you can control who you spend the most time with. And it's important to be conscious in the same way that you're approaching it now of like, if I have some control over this, let me choose wisely. Exactly. So knowing what you put into your process, you said you wanted it to be fun. So it needs to be fun. Like, like life is, I think life is meant to be fun. Right, right. And so- in everything that we're doing, can we not take ourselves too seriously? Are we willing to play? Are we willing to have fun and just like not have a grip yeah. on, on the work and the life? Uh, second, I, I want to know more about myself. And so desire for self-awareness. I'm just naming our values yeah. now. But the second, you know, another value is a desire for self-awareness that people exhibit that they act that they don't just assume that they're fully cooked, that they know who they are, but they have the opportunity to learn more about themselves in life through relationship with others. So it's an explicit value that it's like, I want to learn more about myself and I will learn more about myself in this environment. A third, I think, really big component is maybe more traditional, but it's it's about doing your best. 
Like I, I, I want to, I don't want to like phone it in. This is my own. I was having a conversation with my son on Saturday or Sunday about like the cards in life that were dealt and just talking about like, man, the cards I got, and you got are pretty good cards. Yeah. And so it's like, let's not waste them. Yeah. And so I think it's just like in every single moment, there's an opportunity to just do my best with whatever it is, whatever the task is given to me, whatever, whether I feel like I know how to do it or not do it, whether I like it or I think I'm annoyed with it, like just do my best. And so that's one of the other ones of values. It's like we're all we're always going to try to do our best. We're going to take pride just in the quality of our effort. Whatever happens, happens. But like the effort, I'm going to I'm going to give it my all. Another one that's maybe more traditional is um, like a real value for professional growth. And this has shifted over time because I think earlier in the company, it was like, we're going to grow so fast and be, I had all these big ambitions. And as we've grown, I've realized to be more patient and to be more humble. I mean, we have grown a lot, but to, but to realize that professional growth, I think oftentimes doesn't look like the way I encourage people. It's not about being a manager and having these bigger teams and doing all these things. It's about becoming great at something, you know, like, can you be so great and so skilled and a master in your seat? that you can play that role in that position better than anyone else. And I've learned that for myself in my seat and then just really encourage everyone on our team to think in that way too, to become great and not be maybe even so excited about the next career, like not thinking about professional development as the next career progression, but about greatness. Another one is courageous communication, which I don't actually think is as common as people think because I think oftentimes this is just candor. Like do you have the courage to be candid, yeah. which is an important thing but some people don't have any problem being candid like, yeah amen like, like i actually could be pretty candid i think some bolder personalities can be pretty candid and so there's other forms of courageous communication that look more like listening do you have the courage to stop talking to not defend yourself to not explain why you did it to just listen to what the other person says about what they think is going on or happening to, to tell them back what you heard them say and let it be that's a value that we have. That's a value I want to cultivate. That's a value I need to keep cultivating. Um, and, and I think the last part of courageous communication is it's similar to that, but it's it's more on the reciprocal side, which is do you have the courage to try new forms of communication? So often, again, I think courageous communication or, you know, it, it comes down to the, people think it's about just saying what you think. Some people can't hear it that way. So do I have the courage and the patience to take on the responsibility to get my message over the other side of the fence and not assume that it's like, well, they need to be able to just take my feedback or they need to be able to like get it together so they can understand. Like, no, how, you know, because I think it's hard for my to question myself and be like, am I doing my best? Am I trying hard enough? Like to really have that courage to say, maybe I'm not saying it the right way. Maybe, yeah. maybe. I can try it some other way and just, yeah, really having the courage to, uh, to, to adapt to other people's communication styles. So I think at its heart, that's the culture. It's this group of people every single day doing that human experiment together. What do you think has led to such growth in the business? Integrity. Hmm. In what way? I think on the product side, we say we're going to do this thing and then we do that thing. And we work really, really hard to, re to really do that. Um, we, we don't try to have like the fanciest products or, you know, try to do some, I don't know, some new marketing hype that says this about blah, blah, blah. It's, it's like 
what does the science and the research say over the last 40 years? What are the most important products that I would want to take, that I would want to give to my children, that I would want to actually like come on a podcast and talk about, you know, right. not, not, you know, feel proud that this is actually something I'm doing with my life yeah. versus could be doing 30 other, 100 other things with my life. That's like a meaningful product. And then trying to make it as best as we can, like use the, say we're going to use the best ingredients, try to use the best ingredients, try every single form of protein powder available and like choose only the one that meets all the specs and has the best taste and like just really obsessive about saying we're going to do something and then trying to do it. And when you do that, you have all these little wins. You maybe don't like blow up super fast because you're not as sexy as someone who like focuses more on the marketing yeah. in that way. Um, but I think that that you just build loyal, loyal followers. It's, it's similar things like with CS, we have live phone reps in our office that talk to people. If like you call Keon right now, you're going to talk to Mel or you're going to yeah. talk to Mike. That's cool. And they're awesome people that are like, I'm about to, I feel like I was going to tear up. Like they're directly like aligned with the values I just talked about. Yeah. Like, so what I, you, you're hearing on the podcast, you're going to talk to this person in my yeah. office and that's, that person is what I just described. It's yeah. not like I said this thing on here and then I don't know, it's some person who doesn't care about these things. It makes a difference too. I think the advent of social media has made oh, everyone sort of flip to what's the marketing, what's the marketing, what's the marketing, which is important. Marketing mm-hmm. matters. But at the same time, I really identify with what you're saying because my success is in the content. It's in showing up. Mm-hmm. It's knowing that I can sit with you today, having come from a run, which is like very real life, and that we can have an incredible conversation that adds value to people, that shows up in the way that we want to and doesn't require a blowout for me and doesn't mm-hmm. require full makeup. And I used to think because I was trying to follow what I saw other people doing, that that was a piece of it, that I had to look a certain way in order to have success. And what I have found over time is like, no, what's the quality of what you're giving to people? Do you show up the way that you say that you will? Mm-hmm. Are you consistent in the message? Do your values stay aligned? Are you doing this work the way that you want to? That's what rises to the top. And I love you that you said it because I know so many people are listening to this, wanting to start something. Maybe they're in the middle of trying to grow something. And when you get obsessed with how something looks instead of what it actually is, you are chasing the wrong thing. And it. I think sometimes you will run out of steam. You'll run out of capital. You'll run out of all these things that you need to chase the dream because you were going in the wrong direction especially now, especially post 2020, 2021, a lot of businesses have lost, or at least it feels like to me as a consumer, have lost some of the value of doing business that's like classic, Mm -hmm. caring about your product, caring about your people, having someone there to answer the phone, use, you know, utilizing people on your team who believe in the same message, who believe in the same things. It seems obvious but I'll stand by it forever that like a lot of the values in business that mattered in 1967 or 1984 still matter today. And I think that the way to win now is to kind of go back to some of those values 
to stop chasing the prettiest, shiniest thing? Or how can we make a TikTok about this? Okay, so you make a TikTok and it goes viral, but do you have the product to back it up? So I love that you said that because I think it's a really good reminder for anyone listening who's like building something. I think as I heard you reflect back, my answer was probably most relevant to why we're still around today. You asked how did we grow or like what, what's, the, what's the reason for our growth? I think the sustainable, consistent year over year growth is because of that. Yeah. And, and I agree with everything you just said, and marketing and sales is very important. Yeah. And that goes back to, yeah. again, it's, it's not like one or the other. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like marketing and sales is really important. And early on, maybe if you'd asked me that question uh, in 2019, I'd be like, we're a very sales focused organization because we were a very sales-focused organization, and we still are. And that doesn't mean that we can't obsess over our products too. Like we can do both. And the truth is like, if you have talked to so many people, aspiring entrepreneurs and people who want to be successful, and sometimes people who are very product-centric, they love their product. I do oftentimes challenge them like, how are you going to sell it? Yeah. Who is going to sell it? you know, where's the traffic going to come from? You know, if it's, if it's a, if it's a physical store, if it's an online site, like you have to get a lot of people to come and visit you, right? What are, you know, how are you going to communicate it in such a way in which it's distinct and different and that people know that your product is not like others? Why are they going to choose to, you know, sacrifice their hard-earned money in exchange for this thing that you're offering? Like you have to be very good at marketing and sales, so both can be true at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and in integrity, I mean, like, I really like getting to meet you. I love getting to be a guest on the show. Yeah. This, you're awesome. Thanks. Like, I'm like so you grateful too. for this. Yeah. And like, I'm here because I want to tell people right. about my story. Right. And I want to tell people about Keon. Right. It, it, it can be integrated too. Yes. Like yeah. my, my desire to be a good marketer and a good salesman and promote my company and promote my story and do all these things. That, that can be healthy. It doesn't have to be. I think that's the weird thing is like you were describing people focusing only on the marketing and sales yes, exactly. and they don't have right. the core. They don't to have the product. They don't right. have the heart. It's that's gross. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And that's maybe the, like, honestly naming earlier too, like the value of integrity to me when people are trying to sell me something and it, it feels like it needs to be aligned. Yeah. Whatever they're selling me on yeah. needs to be what I actually get. And if yeah. it's not, I really don't like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like I just <laughs> No, it's from my perspective too. You know, you're talking about product-based business. I think of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And there's some wild statistic which I'm going to get wrong, but it's close to this that like 95% of podcasts will never do more than 15 episodes. Like it's something crazy like that. Even massive, you'll hear celebrities launching a huge show Mm -hmm. and and they get all of this buzz and it's so pretty and they're obsessed with like the photos and the whatever, but there is no there there. They they do it and then they fizzle out because it takes work like anything else. You got to keep showing up consistently and try and get better. And so I go back to this idea of if you are focused on creating something great, you're going to organically find the pieces for promo, you're going to find like, well, this is the way, like we had a great conversation today that's talking, that's organic, that's weaving in what you're doing as opposed to a lot of newbies in business, which is who I'm aiming this thought at, will spend hours and days and weeks and months trying to figure out what 
profile picture they're going to use for their Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll, and it matters. It does matter, but it's not, it's, it's not the thing. Mm -hmm. If you will focus on figuring out what is your unique offering in this world and what are the values that you bring to that? And then how do you speak about that? Because you know it so innately, like you could talk about this forever because you know it and you love it and you care about what you're doing. That's, that's the marketing. Those things really work well, but obsessing over the cover of something when there's nothing inside the box. <laughs> and then I think it's really normal now. I think it happens a lot. Uh, it's just worth mentioning of like, oh my gosh, stop creating Pinterest boards. Stop creating a mood board. Stop going to coffee and talking about what it might be. Go do the thing. Go do the thing and make it better as you go and edit and learn. And okay, now we're going to have this label instead of this label. But you have to start somewhere. And you can't start with like what's pretty. You need to start with like what's substantive here. You have to do. Yeah. <laughs> like there's yeah. you talking about it will never get you there. Right. You have to do. And I think you have to do you have to do kind of um a more focused, more restrained version of each thing but get all the way through the cycle. And what I mean is what's 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 like the smallest version of the product that you can make? What's the smallest version of the branding that you can make? The smallest version of the marketing and the sales that you can make and then go and do it. So right. Just do it because you're going to learn something like, ooh, that, that version of the product actually wasn't that good. Or you might learn like, oh, even like the pin, whatever, the photo you chose for Instagram that you thought was going to be so bad. People loved that. That right. was their favorite thing. Right. And you just don't know until you do it. And thinking about it is just not, it's not going to get you there sooner. Yeah. You, you have to just take action, do the smallest version of each thing. And I would also say the more restrained you are in each dimension of business, like product, don't do 10 products at once, do one product. Amen. Don't do 10 marketing channels at once, do one marketing channel. Don't do, you know, like just do one of each and finish it. Yes. And then you'll start to get momentum. It goes back to the health conversation around like rather than trying to do change all your health things at once, like I'm going to rechange my whole diet and then I'm going to change my, my training program. It's like, you can't. It's like- Choose one thing, do it, anchor it, make it happen, turn it into momentum, start the next thing. Yeah. And it also is allowing you to tweak as you go and to pay attention to what works. Mm -hmm. So in the same vein as health, if you think about entrepreneurship, if you do take on 10 marketing channels at one time and you start to have success, you don't know where the success came from. You're not, it, it's so much harder to track. Was it the email campaign? Was it so, and yes, you could do links and things like that, <laughs> but it's just so much easier to understand the scope of what's happening if you're only looking at one area, especially as a, you know, if you are a mighty team of one, if you're a solopreneur and you're trying something, like make it easier on yourself. I love that you gave the advice of, of just like, contained and small and focus have this go see what happens edit and keep going from there so good that's a good word and that came through a lot of pain right. owner, like i didn't right. just like arrive at that that came from an orientation towards wanting to do everything try everything being very afraid of committing to one thing if i commit to this one thing and it doesn't work then i blah, 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 and just like yep. freaking myself out and I think also want like being really attracted to novelty as a person, wanting to do all these different new fun things and realizing that 
if I focus and I try to do this one thing and be better at that, get greater at that, see what I learn from that, not only will I learn faster, I'll get somewhere faster, I'll get more momentum, it also is more fun. It's almost like with a party, you're gonna plan a party and you're gonna be like, oh, we're gonna have like this and that and the DJ and the blah, blah. And like in the end, it's like your guests. Did you have the people you love there? Right, <laughs> you right. Know? Like that, that was the heart of what it was. And the deeper you go with those guests, like the more profound experience you're going to have. And I think it's like that with career and work. Similarly, it's you can actually focus, you can go deeper, you can learn more. It's, it's actually really exciting and stimulating. And even the fear of the failure of the one thing you committed to is exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you'll be, you'll be okay. You won't, you know, you won't fail forever. Yeah. Amen. Angela, this has been incredible. Thanks, thanks for hang- Rachel. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for hanging out. If people are listening and they're like, okay, I'm in, I want to try the things, I want to do the things, where can they find you online? Where can they follow you? Give us all the juicy details. So, uh, I really pour everything into Keon. So our website is getkeon.com. It's G E T K I O N.com. We have an Instagram that's Keon and, um, that's, that's where. It. That's, that's where. That's okay. it. It's that simple. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, man. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. <laughs>